Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Because we inherited a bunch of formulas from the Labour Party that shoved all the funding into deprived urban areas. I remember well when the Reserve Bank was just a bond-selling agent of the Treasury. That the United States economy added almost 5 million jobs. All of their red ink is really our black ink. This is the Debunking Economics Podcast with Steve Keen and Phil Dobby. Now, we know we don't pay a fair price for energy. Energy companies are making a mint because they extract the energy without worrying about most of the externalities, like the disposal of their waste or the impact that they're having on the planet. Just as cigarette companies don't pay for the health service, fossil fuel companies don't pay the full cost of the impact they're having on our planet. But what if they did? Would the economy survive? That's this week on the Debunking Economics Podcast with Steve Keen and Phil Dobby. That's me. Welcome along. So, Steve, according to globalpetrolprices.com, Australians uh, paid last year 21 US cents per kilowatt hour of electricity. So what would it do, just as for example, if we said, well, OK, the real price, and I'm sure it's more than twice that, but what would it do to the Australian economy if all of a sudden you said, right, we're going to charge you twice as much, electricity is going to cost twice as much, or power generally is going to cost twice as much of, uh, of what it is now? Well, I wouldn't – I might go back to the general picture of is there such a thing as, a, as the right price for energy? Mm. And this comes back to where does wealth come from in the very first instance and little, little things like the laws of physics. And as one of Musk's favorite sayings is the laws – the, the only laws are the laws of physics. Everything else is a recommendation. So when you look at how do we actually produce uh, goods – how do we get ourselves above the level of the other animals on the planet okay, to live in a, in a society? We exploit free energy. Okay? We find energy existing either in uh, you know, coal deposits or oil deposits or ultimately nuclear and so on, and we use that concentrated energy to give us a higher level of energy consumption per head than we could ever get if you're out there throwing spears at other animals on the, on the plains for, for our food intake. Now... One of the other laws of physics is what's called the second law of thermodynamics. And that says that energy degrades, effectively energy degrades over time. Energy, neither, energy can neither be created nor destroyed, but the, the organisation of that energy declines over time, the law of entropy. So you start from uh, a low level of entropy, which means a low level of, of disorder, and you go to more disorder over time. Now, if you look at what we do with, uh, in production, we take stuff which is less ordered and make it more ordered. Right? We take clay and we make coffee pups out of it. That law, the, the law of thermodynamics says that that increase, that, that increase in order, 
which goes against the second law, overall is balanced by the waste we generate in doing that. So that there's we are actually generating more waste in the aggregate than we would be without our industrial activities. Now, if you tried to say, let's conclude the price of that waste you generate, as well as the refined products you create mm. into the price of energy, I don't think we can have any form of society at all. Because how much greater would it be? Do you think? Well, I don't, it, it, as a multiple of how much we're paying now. Well, uh, do is anyone you, ever? You, you'd be losing. Any, you'd be losing money. Okay, because it would be more than people would be prepared. Because it would be more than people would be prepared to pay well, if for you, it. If you had, if you had to pay, like it, it, it's something which accumulates in a slow fashion initially. If you look at the initial damage done to um, a. a, a uh, mining region by mining starting, then it starts off small and the slag heap grows over time. Uh, but in a, in a generic mathematical sense, um, to exploit free energy, um, we can do it because it's sitting there free. We didn't create the coal. It was just, you know, humans found it in the ground and it involves hundreds of millions of years of, of geological processes and biological It's not processes. totally free there because we've got to get it out of the ground. We've got to get it out of the ground. But the, uh, the, the, the old, you know, again, we're going to do the, the TV show story here. Are you old enough to remember the Beverly Hillbillies? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Well, you know, Jeb goes out and fires a, a shotgun at a rabbit and misses the rabbit and this black stuff, Texas tea comes oozing out of the ground. And, and that <laughs> it was, was that easy. Yeah, uh, yeah. That was the state. If you go back to Philadelphia when the first real um, uh, oil rigs began, then literally it was a case of just drill a hole in the ground and if the hole hits where there's a, a reservoir of oil, it'll come gushing out of the ground. You, you can't stop it. Mm. Um, that was the original state. Right. And so you get an enormous energy return and energy invested. And now, of course, if alternative sources are getting more expensive uh, for the cost of extraction, for the for the efficiency of the, for well, the we've extraction. Got, we've had a, we had a necessary decline over time. But... I, like when you, but it's still a lot less than it's it's when, actually. When you, by, you, when you, when you, you fa- use the energy, yeah. Okay, when you use the energy, you generate waste as well. Mm. I mean, I've seen interesting calculations to say that the mass of carbon dioxide that we've injected into the atmosphere significantly exceeds the mass of all manufactured items on the planet. Okay, now we don't never price that carbon dioxide. If we did try to price the carbon dioxide, would it be profitable to make the manufacturing goods? So is this a I'm nonsense? I'm not sure. Honestly, it, I don't. I don't really know the answer to that question. So is this a nonsense then? So the Brookings Institute yeah. uh, reckon that if you added, and they're not factoring everything in here, they, they've just said the social cost of energy, so the harmful mm. emissions, and interestingly, the consequences of foreign policy decisions, which yeah. uh, you know come out of uh, fossil fuels as well. Mm. You know how many wars, for example. And um, then coal power plants in the U.S., which cost 3.2 cents per kilowatt hour of electricity. This is a couple of years back. They should say should be 170 percent higher. So it should be uh, 8.6 cents mm. per kilowatt hour. Well, I mean that's sort of like well, okay, we could cope with that, couldn't we? If uh, if society was faced with things costing one and a half times on top of what we're currently paying, yeah. we, um, we could cope with that. We could potentially cope with it, but I, I mean, to me, it's not so much the whether we can cope as the scale of exploitation of energy we're doing on the biosphere. Well, we'd do less if it cost one and a half times more. Yeah, we? it, 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 yeah. And, and, and if we were doing less, 
I mean, if we were doing the amount of uh, energy consumption that two billion humans would do with the current distribution of income, that'd be one quarter of the damage fundamentally to the biosphere that we're doing, and maybe there'd be more chance to cope with that. So it's not so much the price as the quant as the volume, the quantity of energy we've exploited and then dumped that waste into the biosphere. And by not thinking about those costs, by being not well, you see, we are paying some of those costs, aren't we? I mean, when some of those Nothing costs, clearly, yeah. you, clearly some of them are down the track because climate change starts to hit home. But we're paying some of that now in mitigation costs against climate change. And then all the pollution, we are paying for it in healthcare costs, for example. The difference is we're not paying for it based on consumption. Yeah. The state's paying for those things a lot through health services and the like and through mm. through infrastructure rather than us paying as a consumer. If the cost was passed on to the consumer, then we might change our behavior. Yeah, I mean, but at the same time, what really makes um, being wealthy or living a decent lifestyle in our current society is the consumption of energy. Mm. And this is one thing which, I mean, I've only really become aware of it myself in the last decade since I've been working in, in climate change research um, because we take it for granted that you're going to go to the bathroom and turn a tap and hot water will come out. And, uh, you know, that we can go and flick a switch and then there'll suddenly be light inside the room. Uh, and we just don't even think twice about it. But if you put yourself back 150 years or 200 years and then say, uh, who can fl flick a switch and have hot water come out the pipe? The answer would be the king. Yeah. That'd be it. Okay. Uh, so We're going backwards on this huh? quite a bit, by the way, because, huh? I mean, there are people in the UK now who they turn the hot water tap and it doesn't come on because they haven't fed the electricity meter because on a, a prepaid meter and they can't afford to yeah, pay yeah. for it all. Okay. So, but, but, but in general, we've been energy blind. We're yeah, not yeah. Ex where the extent to which our lifestyles today reflect an enormous increase in the consumption of energy per capita over what was yeah. commonplace 150 so, I mean, years that is, ago. Well, that's just adding to my point, isn't it? That if, yeah. we, if, we, paid the, if we could find a realistic price and if we tried to engage the, the, mm. all those social costs and put all those social costs into the price of energy, mm. given that we are paying for them anyway, it's just that we're not paying for them on consumption, then we might change our behavior. And companies might change their behavior as well, because if they say, oh, my God, we're getting hit with a, with a, a tax for the real cost of producing fossil fuels, that makes it more realistic for us to look at alternative yeah, energy Yeah, I mean, sources. It's, it's sort of arguing the price system can solve all these problems. And the, uh, this is, again, why I like the, you know, the laws of physics are the only true laws. Everything else is a recommendation. Um, to believe you can use the price system to solve a problem caused by the basics of thermodynamics, I think is just fallacious. Um, I, I think we need, to be, we need to be far more energy aware of the extent to which our lifestyles depend upon energy and aware of the costs now of extracting that energy. Again, if you go back 150 years, the cost of extracting that oil out of Philadelphia was trivial. Okay? And then that was where the huge fortunes, the Rockefellers and, and co., uh, came from the exploitation of cheap energy sources, and that's where the wealth in the Arabian world has come from as well. The same story. Um, so you now have a much more expensive uh, re reality that you've got to drill a couple of kilometres offshore, a couple of kilometres into the seabed below a couple of kilometres worth of ocean. The costs are getting it out of that much higher. We're still not. Um, and then what was really, is, of course, has happened is 
the damage we've accumulated over time, uh, the waste we're putting into the biosphere, that's the main cost. Now, if you tried to price that out of existence, I think you'd price industrial society out of existence. I, d- I don't think you can... You, you, would, you wouldn't expedite the move to, to renewables? Well, um, I, I that, would, that was hence my first question. What, what, part, would, part, what would you, happen if we doubled or using those... Where does those, the money go? Okay. Because if you doubled the cost of oil and it went to the oil majors... Yeah, they, yeah, well, they'd get even healthier profits than they're getting now. But which, then, you know, but that's then, what's been happening in the, like the last two or three years, yeah. part of the reason. Hence the, wind, hence the windfall tax, though, yeah. you know, to, yeah. to say, well, okay, you, we're, we're going to... It doesn't yeah. help. It hasn't helped with inflation. So, so like, the price but, system doesn't solve that issue because in that, in, 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 unless the... Well, the extra price is going to the oil majors... Uh, rather than going, but to if you tax, but if you tax the oil majors, the problem is you, it's a planet-wide solution, obviously, yeah. because the uh, oil companies would say, well, if you're going to do that in the UK, we just won't invest in the UK, mm. um, and what are you going to do? You're going to tax us on on, on oil that yeah. we extract from Saudi Arabia and the, or and wherever. The, and the mobility of the corporate sector versus the fixed the, the fixedness of a of a of a, a nation state, right? But if we but if if we saw it as a global issue and everyone was on on board in this. Mm surreal world that I'm imagining mm. only, which can only exist in dreams of course because we don't operate like that but if we if we did mm. then if if the world saw yes we've got a threat we are going to push the oil companies to pay a heavy uh, duty on a pay unit cost of extraction mm. um, then they would look at alternatives and we would be paying a more realistic price and, and would we would that create a downfall of society or would it just expedite the move to an, an alternate source of energy? Well, it would mean you have far less money left over for other products apart from energy at the moment. And of course, energy is in everything. This this is one of the... Well, the money's going somewhere, though. The money's oh. going to governments. Governments, are, there's more money going into the public sector. They can spend that money on whatever they well, like. They could provide the on... finances for private corporations in 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 uh, alternative energy sources and so on. Yeah, it's, or they can look after people. We were talking yeah, last week yeah. about pensions. Yeah. So they could go into ensuring that people get that yeah. pension. Well, one, of, one of the best, uh, it, it's, it really is difficult. I mean, I've, I've thought about this issue. Could you price energy at a realistic level, including the waste that's generated by exploiting that energy, and end up with the capacity to have an industrial civilization? Mm. I honestly don't know whether you could or I haven't sat down to try to work it out. But one thing I've seen just in the last couple of weeks, you may have noticed as well, is that Microsoft has made an advance payment to a company to provide it with fusion energy by 2028. Have you seen that? No. Quite quite amazing. Yeah. Uh, fusion energy has always been 30 years in the distance. Now they're talking five. So we might get some amazing well, that, transformational that, technology. That, that is that source of energy. Right. But that's dangerous talk, Steve. Because the moment da- be, cause that's, what you're talking about there is hope. No, 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 I'm not into hoping him, as you know. But the thing is, I'm glad if that, if that actually happened, what you'd have, if, it, it, whenever that is developed, if we actually develop the capacity to generate power out of fusion, um, then the wastes are virtually non-existent. Okay. Oil industry, would you still got to get it up to scale, obviously. Okay, but, but if, if that happened, mm. we would simply add that to all the other forms of energy we're currently using on the planet. We wouldn't reduce, we'd, we'd add, mm. and that would be causing 
you know, even more extreme ecological crisis is sometime down the track. Now, if we go through a crisis and then have the stuff on the other side, then the argument can be we should be using this fusion power to drastically reduce our forms of other energy and drop average total energy consumption uh, until our, our consumption and the waste we generate into the biosphere can be sustained by the biosphere itself. Um, so, so, you know... I don't think you can price our way out of trouble. You can invest your way mm. out of trouble. Can't we do both? I mean, it seems like we're, we're back to, to you talking about us. We have to go through the crisis before we yeah. actually moderate our behaviour. If we go through that crisis, then we, it's a bit of a uh, it's a bit of a one way street, isn't it? Because you talk about coming out the other side. How do you come out the other side? You know, if you've yeah, you know, know if you've you've already pumped so much carbon in the atmosphere. It takes forever to dissipate, doesn't it? So yeah. this, you know, so, well, you, so, this, this comes back to the concept of energy return and energy invested. Mm. And like, I, I don't, I honestly can't answer the price question. I really can't. Uh, maybe one of these days I'll be able to sit down and try to work it out, but I haven't done so yet. But I think the point which is important to get people's heads is the energy return on energy invested and how dependent society is, and that being a large positive number. So the larger, the more energy you get back for energy in, the more of a a sophisticated society you can sustain and if you have to put most of your work into getting the energy out in the first instance yeah. then you can't have an advanced society well, and that's the situation of 200 years ago it could be the situation of 20 years in the future as well right so there's two sides to that isn't there there's the uh, how efficiently you are extracting the energy and then there's how and we'll come back after the break to talk about this there's how efficiently you're using that energy yeah. as well so the energy intensity which varies enormously from country to country mm. around the world so I wonder what we can learn from that it's the debunking economics podcast Steve Keen is sitting opposite me I coincidentally am sitting opposite him and uh, we will be back again There's in conservation just law there somewhere we'll be back again in just a second millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom like Evan who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds salads generally for most people are the easy button right for me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. This is the Debunking Economics Podcast with Steve Keen and Phil Dobby. So we are looking at uh, energy and what would happen if we paid a realistic price for energy. Steve is not sure what that price would be or whether, in fact, it would have whether, whether the impact. Whether it would actually help. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whether we, and whether it would, could actually, we could actually do what we wanted mm. uh, in any form uh, if we were to do that. So we're, just before the break, we were talking about 
the efficiency of energy, first of mm. all, how it's produced, but also uh, energy intensity, uh, you know, how it's used. To, and there's a variation on this. So oilprice.com, boo, uh, <laughs> they reckon uh, that this year's energy prices will rise to the point where they are 13% of global GDP. That's 13%? Yeah. Does that seem small or large? That seems large. I mean, that's what they're reckoning we're going to get to this that's year. That's interesting. Like one of the um, pieces of neoclassical nonsense I enjoyed rubbishing recently was by a guy called Rudy Backman, and who he and a few friends, using the neoclassical uh, model of production, argued that um, energy, uh, the change in GDP uh, for a change in energy, uh, was the the coefficient between the two is 0.04, which means that if you had a 10% fall in energy, you would have a 0.4% fall in GDP. Now, that's sheer and utter nonsense. Mm. When you look at the empirical data, a 10% fall in GDP would mean a 10, 10% fall in energy would mean a 10% fall in GDP. So it's their model of production, which is, which is nonsense. Um, so we have an enormous dependence upon energy, but the figure they chose was 0.4, which is meaning their rough estimate of the the size of the energy sector compared to the overall GDP was 4%. Now you're saying 13. Mm. That's huge. So yes. if that actually happens. Prices have gone up so much, of course, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. So, so 13, but that, that is a huge increase in the energy costs. Now, the trouble is, of course, that provides more money to the companies that are drilling the the, uh, the fossil fuels out of the ground. And well, let's be positive. That gives them more money to invest in alternate sources of energy. Which they won't do. Yeah. <laughs> well, they don't. All <laughs> they're, 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 well, Steve, uh, all their advertising is saying that oh, they are. Oh, you've got to trust this truth in advertising. <laughs> isn't it? I mean, look, I, I, I haven't witnessed it, but, of course, there's a, a very uh, – one of the stories more interesting political figures, Tanya Plibersek, is now the mm. environment minister in the Australian government. Yeah. And she, you know, I've had a lot of a smart a, cookie. fair bit of respect for Tanya. Yeah. Uh, but she's now having to dance rings around the fact that at the same time as having responsibility for the environment, she's also been improving more coal mines mm. and more oil. And the pressure to approve those things is enormous because they're saying, look, we can generate this much extra exports, this much extra revenue. Uh, and the I mentioned it was one of the last shows, the political financial complex. It's also the political financial energy complex. Now, if you get to the stage where the energy companies are getting 13% of GDP, global GDP, that's an enormous amount of power. It is. And they will continue. In every to... sense of the word. Yeah. Oh. And, yeah. yeah. Power in every sense of the word. Yeah. So, but yeah. But, uh, but surely if they are exporting more because they are using more coal power, Surely responsible economies can say, well, if, if you're using fossil fuels... Excuse me, are we allowed to use oxymorons in this I know, show? all right. But I mean, okay, economy. in this okay. ideal world that I sometimes <laughs> dream about when I'm asleep, uh, you, you'd be there saying, well, okay, we're, we're just going to tax you. If, if you're using fossil fuels to produce goods mm. because they're cheaper then uh, and, and we're not, then we should tax you. That's mm. fair because forget about the environment. You've got a. Uh, we've chosen to care about the environment. You haven't. You've mm. got a. You've got a price advantage. We're going to. Uh, we're going to put tariffs on your on your imports. Why wouldn't you do that? Yeah, and I would. Mm. I mean, there's this. This is the whole argument that you know tariffs are not nasty, nasty, nasty is another neoclassical myth. Mm. Uh, but yeah, if you, you say you want to, uh, a lot of stuff from China, for uh, example, should be tariffed 
for the, that precisely that reason. Yeah. Even though no, they're, they're, they're starting to make inroads, I mean, they still... One thing you can say in favour of China is that they're having a, a political sense for the entire country. Um, uh, you know, having a sense of national objectives, in other words, uh, which is poo-pooed in the West. Uh, part of that national objective of China is to dramatically increase its its production of alternate energy sources. And there's a huge range of innovation going on in China, far more so than you can see in most Western societies. But nonetheless, they also have enormous use of fossil fuels. And, uh, and that gives them a cost advantage uh, over the West. Mm. And so, yes, okay, put a tariff up and, you know, force the country that's doing, to some extent, more than the most of the rest of the world to change from fossil fuels to alternate energy systems to do even more of it. Yeah, well, they'll just do it faster. And mm-hmm. that seems fair, doesn't it? So on the idea of how much we... Because the other thing is we could just use less or... And that, I uh, think, or, is where we're going to end up. Or yeah. we could use it more efficiently. So there's this huge variation in the energy required for each per capita level of GDP. So, for example, Ireland, Switzerland and Denmark use less than one kilowatt hour per dollar of GDP per capita. Singapore, Bahrain and Canada use two or three times that amount. So Mm. you'd have to ask why such a huge variation? So some countries are productive with less energy than other countries are. Well, I mean, that's that's where the data can get very confusing because a large part of why you, know, you can have a lower uh, energy per unit of GDP in Switzerland than um, in, in China, for example, can be because the Switzerlands are import Swiss are importing stuff. Mm. I mean, it's more that's more Britain again than than, than the Switzerland. Um, so if you look, but at this the, is energy use. It's nothing to do with where it's coming from. It's saying, well, okay, per kilowatt hour. Uh, how much are you consuming? Uh, what's your what's your GDP yeah, but the, growth? It's still involving trade. Still turns up as part of the equations for GDP mm. and all that data. So I'm actually going from looking at a data set on GDP and energy, which I've put together from World Bank data on GDP and OECD data on energy consumption. And if you look at the global level, the link between energy and GDP and change in energy and change in GDP is simply overwhelming. Like the the correlation of energy in, in, in kilowatt hours terms with GDP in in fixed American $2,015 is 0.997. Okay. When you look at the correlation of the change in energy and the change in GDP at the global level, it's still a correlation of 0.86. That's crazy high. Mm. And what it really implies is that fundamentally, what the, the, to a first approximation, what GDP really is, is energy transformed into useful work. An so, energy model of production makes more sense than virtually anything else. Now, But if you follow that logic through, then you'd say that countries that are not doing terribly well, if you made They're the ones who are doing the production. Right. Okay. That's why you get a high ratio. Okay. The ones that are doing the consumption, they've offshored the energy. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. So the the whole financial pattern of the but those those numbers were based on consumption rather than production. But my point but, is, but that, you, that, that, that the consumption, you know, uh, you're consuming goods which you're you're importing stuff in Switzerland, you're exporting it from China. Uh, you're going to get a higher ratio in China than you are in Switzerland, and it just reflects the uh, distribution of production and power and, and political power. Uh, more than it does whether you're efficient or inefficient. So Rwanda, as a for example, okay. uses 0.2 kilowatt hours per dollar per capita of GDP. And that's much more realistic. So yeah. a, a lot less than anybody else, yeah. or you know, than the the, the the West. So you the logic would say, well, okay, if their economy really wants to grow, 
they could intensify their energy use tenfold to be the same as Canada. What, how can Canada say to Rwanda, no, 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 you, you keep that low level of, in, in, of energy intensity mm. and keep your economy small? We, we don't want you to grow. I mean, how can you can't say that, can you? Well, it becomes you, you, it's unfair to say that. unfair at the moment. But if you, you say, you know, what what is a what is a forget about what's fair to people, what's fair to animals, mm. okay, what's fair to the biosphere, and on that front, we're consuming in the West far too much energy because the the damage we're doing to the biosphere, the encroachment we're making on the biosphere is huge, and so if we want to have a have a sustainable. Now it goes beyond society, a sustainable ecosystem, life on this planet. We're going to have to reduce the extent to which we take energy out of the system and dump waste back into it. And that means we have to say what level of energy consumption per capita uh, is cons- is compatible with a sustained life on Earth. And I don't think we have to fall quite to the level of Rwanda per head. We certainly have to fall far below the level of Canada. And then because how can you have a drop in energy consumption while still maintaining a reasonably, relatively comfortable existence for humanity? That's the sort of question I'd rather be asking. It's going to be an interesting negotiation if countries are all saying, well, let's agree on our energy use per capita because you're going to get well Canada's going to say it gets cold in here we've got heating to pay and uh, Australia's going to say you know we are air conditioners you know yeah. they don't, they don't, we'll, they don't we'll, come we'll cheap never, we'll never work out we'll never make a decent political decision over this um, it, 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 it'll be again the laws of physics will rule and whatever humans try to decide and, it will trump and the price mechanism is just no good so is there is there first of all i mean the fundamental question for it to work there'd have to be a high degree of elasticity in in demand in usage based on price for energy but there and isn't it, mm. there isn't I mean, that, that's one of the again one of the flaws in the conventional thinking uh if you make energy more expensive you can't consume something as an alternative to energy there is no alternative to energy so there's some things you simply have to have, and nothing, nothing can be produced without energy. So it ramifies through the cost of everything. So what it really, what you're saying by having, paying a higher price for energy, you're saying a lower standard of living. Now I happen to agree with that. I think we do. We have far too high. Well, for some. So there was a yeah. there was a UK government paper from the Department of Energy and Climate Change, as it was in 2016. I think that's the climate change bit. I don't know. I, sure. it, I don't know. Not a worry anymore. anymore no. Anyway, this paper from 2016 showed that between in 2005 and 2014, gas prices effectively doubled in the UK. Yeah. High-income earners reduced their consumption by 9%. Low-income earners reduced it by a third. So there is a elasticity there for the poor. <laughs> yes, yeah. Because they just no go because they, they've got no choice, they just can't afford it. Yeah, and yeah. that so that's the so that you know just demonstrates, doesn't it? That there's mm-hmm. the, the the issue is. That it's it's easy, easy and exactly, and it's yeah. easy to reduce energy consumption for those people who can't afford it. Just yeah. put the price up, and they'll use less because they just have to wear more jumpers. The rich will keep will forget to turn off the air conditioning when they go on holiday for they for their you know in the mm. Caribbean and come back two weeks later and go oh look left the air conditioning on mm-hmm. oh that's going to add a bit to our energy bill oh well. Let's open another bottle of champagne. They're not going to feel it, are they? No, and then it, and that's it, it, the inequality combined with the excessive use of resources. That's the combination which has put us in a bind right now. And of course, political power goes to the wealthy. So the ones who are, are required to reduce their consumption the most are the ones who've got the power to oppose that. So can we reach a system then 
where we do price in the, the social cost. Is it possible? I mean, is there even a model? If the world was to agree that this is the way energy is going to uh, be priced now, can we, uh, and then said, you know, once we've arrived at that price, we have to work out a mechanism where the poor can afford to pay, where less developed nations can, can afford to grow. I mean, how would you even start to price well, it? In some ways, that's what the limits to growth did. Right. In the 70s, they didn't include a price mechanism in their thinking, which is one of the reasons neoclassical economists trashed them. But they did look at what's a sustainable scale of operation for human civilization on this planet and can we achieve it? And it, it said you can, but you've got to do a whole lot of controls. We can't, we've we never implemented population controls. They wanted to have us reducing population from 72, not increasing. We've pretty much, we've certainly doubled populations since 72. Okay. Maybe even more than that. Uh, so we've gone to the opposite. Well, that's the only way we can improve productivity, which capitalism depends on, is uh, throw more people at it. Yeah, yeah, which is nonsense, but that's what we've done. Mm. Uh, that's Ponzi scheme investing mm. rather than real investing. So, um, yeah. We, that's because we, we've we, tried we, it the other I way. Think, I think and we could, it, we, economies stagnate, don't uh, they? they? We've tried it the other way, and economies stagnate. So we just go... Okay, let's. I mean, you know, that's what's going to happen in the UK, for example. We're going to say, well, let's let's open, you know, let's allow more migrants now because the panel is entirely racist about refugees. I yeah. Mean, it is, mm. <laughs> God, we're a mess, aren't we? Yeah. I'm not just talking about our show. No, which <laughs> is ending ending very messily. But I'm just trying to, yeah. So let's say, so if we well, could, if, if we, we could develop, a, so you're saying we don't need, if we don't have a pricing mechanism, I'm not quite sure how we do it. That's all. Well, there has to be political as well. Yeah. And there has to be constraints. I mean, the whole idea about a price system is let the market work it out. And uh, you, again, to quote not Musk here, but Einstein, you, you can't solve your problems with thinking that caused it in the first place. So we, we had the idea about unconstrained growth, uh, market deciding everything, uh, libertarian attitude in general. Uh, we can afford to be libertarian in outer space. We can't be libertarian on, any, on, a, on a biosphere. And we can't get to a situation where we go, well, let's just make uh, create a situation where green energy is affordable, mm. uh, old-style energy, fossil fuel energy isn't affordable. Problem solved. And again, again, we know the issues about the green because the green isn't green, it's brown. Mm. It's, it's the, it's the um, uh, minerals industry, as Simon Maichow yeah. argues. So there is, you know, we have an enormous problems in going across to an energy system which doesn't damage the biosphere on the scale of what we're doing right now. Right. So it's energy intensity becomes the focus then. Yep. If we're looking for one metric, it's that energy intensity Yeah, focus. and that's why I say energy return and energy invested. That's the thing we should be thinking about far more so than a price mechanism. Yeah, not just energy from extraction, but how we use it in our society as well to get the outcomes. That is that also the distribution of income. Mm. Uh, those private aeroplanes should be can become, should become homeless people's hostels. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a thought. There plenty of hangers to use and yeah. you know, comfortable seats and so on. I'm not sure that they enjoy it very much. Yeah, uh, I'm sure I'm going to be very popular in in, uh, in Westminster with that comment. All right. Well, there we are. Uh, we haven't solved that, have we? Never uh, again. Because no. no one ever will, Indeed. I guess, until it's too late, perhaps. Uh, all right. Next time, the generation game. No, we haven't got Bruce Forsyth back. Uh, do, you, do you remember Bruce Forsyth? No, he was huh? a. There was a show called The Generation Game. I think they had it in Australia as well. We'll talk about it next week. Okay. We, well, you uh, fill me but, in on the. But in we're not actually giving you the, the generation meantime. game. Well, it's a very old pop culture. Oh. Uh, but we'll look at the generation game. Have we built an unsustainable model? Basically, uh, old people with assets of increasing worth 
and young, and young people, people having to borrow more yep. uh, to survive. Uh, how do we get into that situation and should we fix it? Uh, and if so, how? All of that. Next, we should be able to do that in half an hour. Absolutely. All that next week on the Debunking Economics Podcast. Gotcha. Thank, see you then. Okay. The Debunking Economics Podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. If you've enjoyed listening to Debunking Economics, uh, even if you haven't, you might also enjoy The Y Curve. Each week, Roger Hearing and I talk to a guest about a topic that is very much in the news that week. It's lively, it's fun, it's informative. What more could you want? So search The Y Curve in your favourite podcast app or go to ycurve.com to listen.